Yo, today's QOD is insist upon miracles today. Here we go. The Day Show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton at SeanCroxton.com. We've got Bob Proctor on the show today. And today, Bob is going to share two stories about the power of your mind, about the power of right thinking and wrong thinking and how it's up to you and only you as to whether you're going to be the victim or the victor of your thinking. Bob Proctor coming up. I want to share something with you. Uh, a couple of stories, and then one personal experience. I was in Jackson, Mississippi, back in 1977. I had gone into uh, Jackson to do a seminar, and as I was waiting for my bags to come down the chute, this gentleman came over, and he shook hands with me and introduced himself. He told me his name was M.C. Duncan, and he was from Oklahoma City. He was the president of Oklahoma Life. And he said, you know, I've been listening to you all week, and I've been watching you all week. And I said, well, that's interesting. Where was I? And he just laughed, and he had been listening to cassettes and watching the videos. And as fate would have it, we were there for different reasons, but we were both going to the same hotel. So we shared a cab. We went over to the hotel. We checked in at the registration desk. And then we just wandered over in the foyer and sat down and started chatting. Now, you're going to find that everyone that starts to study themselves, they become great readers. They always want to get into good books because they want to find out more about the subject. It's so fascinating. Well, he and I got talking about the various books that we liked, and uh, we had read many of the same books. And I asked him, I said, have you ever read any of Robert Russell's books? And he said, no, he hadn't. Well, I had an entire set of them. I think there were eight of them. I had them in my briefcase. Now, I had been reading these books. I'd give them away here and there. And I just picked up a new set prior to leaving town. And I put them in my briefcase. So I took them out and I gave them to him. And he looked at me a little strange. And he said, well, let me pay you for them. And I said, no, no. I said, don't pay me for them. I said, you just take them and enjoy them. And, you know, I just smiled. And I said, you, you know that you can never give anything away. It always comes back. In fact, pressed down and running over. I said, that's the rules. And he laughed. And he said, yes, I know. Well, when I get back to Chicago... To my office, I began to get inundated with great material from M.C. Duncan. And the first thing he sent me was this transcript of a minister's sermon that was preached on November the 21st, 1976. Now, I received this on the 3rd of March, 1977. So the sermon was only a couple of months old. It was delivered by uh, a Reverend Norman Neves at the Church of the Servant in Oklahoma City. And M.C. Duncan wrote here, insist upon miracles today. Here he wrote, Bob, first four paragraphs, great story about wrong thinking, etc., etc. Best regards, M.C. Duncan. Now, this is a classic. It really is. Keep in mind, this is how a minister is starting a sermon, uh, the sermon um, in Oklahoma City. He began by saying, I read a story in the paper the other day that not only caught my attention, 
but that continued to hold it and hold it the further I read. It was a story of a railway employee uh, somewhere in Kansas who accidentally locked himself into a refrigerator car and then who wasn't able to escape. Perhaps you read the story also and know what I mean when I say it continued to hold my attention. Now, he said apparently this man had banged and banged on the side of the car to attract someone's attention, but apparently also no one heard him. So he finally gave up and resigned himself to his fate. Sometime during the night, as he felt his body becoming numb, he began, began to scribble some sentences on the wall of the car. Sentences recording some of his last sensations as he moved closer and closer to death. The first sentence said, I'm becoming colder. The second sentence, a little bit further down, said, still colder, nothing to do but wait. Then it said, I'm slowly freezing to death. Half asleep now, I can hardly write. And then down at the bottom, this sentence which said, these may be my last words, which in fact they were. When the car, the railroad car was open the following day, they found him dead. But let me tell you something that's really startling about this story. The freezing apparatus on the car had been malfunctioning. It had not been operating properly for several days. And believe it or not, the temperature hadn't gotten below 49 degrees during the entire night that he was there. In other words, this man had become the victim of his own illusion. He had presumed that his time had come and his life was over when, in fact, there was no need of that presumption at all. And so, even though the temperature had never fallen below 49 degrees, this man died nevertheless and isn't here to enjoy himself today. Neves went on to point out, he said, there's a lot of us that do that with our lives, aren't there? We misread the signs of our predicaments. We presume that things are worse than they really are. And so like that man, we too become the victim of our own illusion. We die, if you will, even though the temperature of our circumstance never even gets close to freezing. Now, you see, this man used his reasoning factor and he used it incorrectly. He let what he thought were circumstances control his thinking. That's the image he put in, and that's exactly what he got. Do you think maybe that that's what Moses was talking about when he talked about that reasoning factor, when he said, behold, today I lay before you both a blessing and a curse? Now I'm going to give you an example of someone that used it the other way. Many years ago, I made a sales call in Chicago when I first started to do seminars in the United States on a gentleman named Mel Haycraft. Mel Haycraft was the vice president of sales to the Prudential Insurance Company in their mid-America region. Now, I did not know it at the time, but the Prudential Insurance Company was the number one company in the world, and the mid-America region was the number one region in the Prudential Insurance Company out of 10 different regions. So needless to say, I was talking to a heavyweight when it comes to business. I was only in his office a few minutes, and Mel said, well, Bob, what is it? 
And I said, Mel, I've got a seminar that'll just get your sales flying. And I'll never forget the smile that came on his face. And he looked at me and he pushed his chair back from the desk and he opened a drawer and he took a file folder out and he spun these brochures across the desk. Did you see all those brochures? I said, yeah. He's all those people said the same thing. I said, is that right? I said, well, we're different. We was me at the time. But if you're alone in business, you never refer to me, you see. So at any rate, I said, we are different. See, I had a brochure made up that made it look like we operated on the entire 12th floor of the Hancock Center, I thought. But at any rate, he looked at me and smiled, and he said, how are you different? I said, we get results. He said, they all said the same thing. Now, I knew that I wasn't making any headway. You're in sales, you know, when you get to a point like that, you either have to dance or hit the exit. And I wasn't about to leave. I had a hard time getting in to see this man. As a matter of fact, an associate of mine had phoned him every Monday for a year. We couldn't get in to see him. One Monday he was sick. Mel phoned him and asked what was wrong. And that's how we broke down his door. But at any rate, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. You give me a hundred of your best people. Don't give me the worst, give me the best. I said, anyone can do something with the worst. Just give me the best. And I said, we will do a seminar, won't cost you a dime. We'll give you the material, give you the seminar. And I said, let them be the judge of whether this will help them in their sales. He said, you got a deal. So we did that seminar. I run into a chap in Detroit here just a little while ago, Carl Walker, that was in that group of people. I remember Carl sitting in the back row. Never forget Carl. And about halfway through the seminar, he kept getting up and down and up and down and up and down. The guy was going, getting so excited he couldn't stay in the seminary. He had to go out and sell somebody. But at any rate, <laughs> that's a true story. Carl's over in Detroit, and Carl, you'll be watching this. You'll remember as well as I do. We laugh about it every time I see him. But at any rate, we passed the test. I found myself in front of 450 of their district insurance agents at the Hillside Holiday Inn in Chicago. When I was talking to them for a very short period of time, I suggested that anyone in that room could go out and write $5 million worth of business. Now, when I mentioned that, you could just feel, wham, the minds go closed. I'd lost the entire group. Now, you see, what we were doing and what was different we were introducing this element right here to their sales, to the psyche of their salespeople, to their sales presentation, to their belief system. They had never had that mixed in with their training before. This chap come up to me at the first break. He says, Proctor, he said, did you ever sell insurance? And I said, no, I never have. He said, I didn't think so. I said, why are you saying that? He said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I said, no, hold on a second. I didn't say I didn't know what I was talking about. I just said I've never sold insurance. I said, I don't know any more about insurance than the doorman or the salad chef in here. I said, I'm operating on the premise you already know how to write $5 million worth of business. And he looked at me and said, well, wait just a minute. He said, you know this company is 100 years old? And I said, yeah, I'd heard that. He said, you know there's 20,000 agents in this company? And I said, yeah, I'd heard that. Well, he said, did you hear that we've never had one write $5 million worth of business? Well, I said, then you can be the first. <laughs> yeah. Now, this was around the end of August. He said, you said this year. I said, that's right. He said, the year's over half done. Well, I said, then it won't take as long to do it. <laughs> now, I said, Don, if you can see yourself as a $5 million producer, you heard what Paul Hutsey did with this idea. 
And you get emotionally involved with that idea. You turn it over, that part of you that's unseen, it's non-physical, but it's in every part of your being. I guarantee you, you'll act differently and what you attract to you will be quite different. And I said, you'll do it. Now, that's a magazine that that company prints or printed. That's a picture of the man I was talking to. His name's Don Sloven. And that's a write-up about our conversation. The second week in December, Don Sloven had paid for $5,200,000 worth of business. He closed the year with a little better than $6 million worth of business. And the strange part about this is when he crossed that imaginary line, there was a whole string of people following. See, every person everywhere in history that got the image of what they wanted, they burned that image into their mind. They refused to accept circumstances. Every one of them have accomplished what they've imaged. For years, people had tried to run a mile in four minutes. I mean, thousands of years. Do you know the early Egyptians used to turn a lion loose and let it chase a person hoping they'd run a mile in four minutes? But they couldn't do it. The experts said it couldn't be done. They said our cardiovascular system wasn't proper for it. They, they said our muscles weren't right. The bone structure wasn't right. But in the spring of 1954, a young guy named Roger Bannister quit believing in the experts, started to believe in Roger Bannister, and he ran a mile in under four minutes. Within a month, other people were running a four-minute mile. We had a young guy in this company down in Louisiana. As a matter of fact, he worked for Paul Hotze. That wrote five million in a week, and he previously hadn't written three in a year. Now, why am I mentioning these things? Well, I mentioned them because you could all tell a story like this about yourself. That was Mr. Bob Proctor. His website is ProctorGallagherInstitute.com. You can watch today's talk on YouTube. It is called Bob Proctor, You Were Born Rich, Complete 10-Hour Seminar. All right, my friend, I'm going to see you tomorrow. We got a, a remix session with Mr. Will Smith. See you then. Peace.